Hey, sports fans. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Hosk, and I hope the Canucks don't claim me on waivers. I'm Jones, and I heard the Canucks were claiming the Leafs practice mannequin. I'm Kudo, and I just had sex. Let's get into sports and stuff. What are we talking about? I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Or not. Ball into the wild of it is first shot free. Just a bit outside. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. It's funny to me, too. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. On tonight's episode, we're talking March Madness. The Habs are finding new ways to avoid losing. This time it's COVID. Free agency continues in the NFL. Haas got stuff he wants to talk about. Jones puts us on the grill. And we're recapping week three of Big Brother Canada. This is Into Sports and Stuff. All right, guys. First weekend's in the books. The big dance, March Madness. Lived up to the the hype with uh, lots of madness, lots of upsets. Probably no upsets that we predicted, um, but I think they've already set a record for upsets in the tournament. What do you guys think? What, what are your thoughts on the on the opening weekend of uh, March Madness? Well, my bracket is fucked. Ohio State's out, and I had them winning when I picked them out of my hat. I think every, I think everyone's bracket's fucked. But yeah, you got like a good... Yeah, what? but mine was fucked after like the first day. Good six or seven games in before your bracket was toasted? Yeah, it was like the first day mine was toasted on the Friday. I mean, mine went down early too. I had I had Tennessee in the final four. Was that Jones? Mine was round two before it was really fucked. I lost Ohio State first day. They were in my final four, but then I had Illinois, and they lost to uh, Chicago Loyola on Sunday. Was it? Yeah, Sunday. But sister, Jean. I do want to clarify. I I did get two of my three upsets did come through. Just so you guys are aware, two of three. Which ones? My third, my Abilene Christian over Texas, and my o- Ohio over Virginia. That's true. You did have both those ones. You also yeah. had North Carolina, uh, who lost in the first round over <laughs> was it over Gonzaga? No, over Baylor. It was over Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, that didn't did not happen. Yeah. We still got three number one seeds remaining. Didn't pan um, out for me. Just, yeah, three three top seeds remaining. We still got Michigan. We still got Baylor. We still got Gonzaga. Got. Four teams from the Pac-12. Pac-12 is dominating the tournament. Everybody thought the Pac-12 was shit. None of these teams deserve to be there. Uh, But they have been the story of the tournament to this point. Um, We still got Oregon, UCLA, USC. Oregon State. And Oregon State all alive from the Pac-12. Two of those are – did I say Oregon State or what did I say? Yeah, you did. But I I think you're a bit delayed. Not the first time. Uh, so two of those double-digit double seeds, UCLA, had to do a play-in game. So they've won three games already. Oregon State's a number 13 seed. Uh, they took out one of my uh, one of the teams I had to make it a run, Tennessee, I think. Do they play Tennessee round one? I thought so Oregon anyways. State was a 12. Okay, sorry, they're a 12. Fuck you, Kudo, and your fucking semantics. <laughs> UCLA, hey, hey. Yeah, you and Dane. Oregon State um, yeah, did take out Tennessee. It's been a pretty good tournament. Yeah, I know. I, I remember. They were in my final fucking four. <laughs> I actually have a fun fact about the Pac-12. No way. I don't believe it. Yep. The return of Kudos fun fact. So my fun fact of the week. Kudos. Fun facts. The Pac-12 is the first conference all time to have four teams seated fourth or worse reach the Sweet 16. And that's uh, USC. Oregon, Oregon State, UCL Hey Hey, and they all won by double digits in the round of 32. And that's my fun fact of the week. It, you can clap. It's okay. That's a little golfer's clap for you, Kudo. Oregon really had a nice performance. They uh, they really dominated that game against uh, Iowa. Iowa was like a, a favorite to win the tournament. They uh, 
they absolutely dusted them. They didn't play their first game against uh, VCU uh, because of COVID. VCU was disqualified from the tournament. Uh, Oregon won one to nothing in a in a Passover game. Uh, but they uh, they showed they belonged on uh, on Monday or Sunday whenever they played for sure. Uh, yeah, Sister Jean Loyola upsets the Fighting Illini. Um, I read some I read some numbers or some some analysis that uh, people had Loyola ranked as like they should have been on the number two line, uh, but they played such a small conference that they just never got any respect. So you know, being put on the eight line, they played you know a rival game in the uh, in the round of 32, you know, that's a, you know, that's a big win. They could win this whole tournament. They're, they're apparently a very legit team and they've showed that they were pretty legit in the first two games. They were saying that because of this, no, like um, playing outside of your conference stuff, that there was a lot of seeding that they thought teams should be higher than they were. And some teams that were ranked higher should be lower because like you're basically judging them against, just who they played. Like a lot of them didn't play out of conference games. Right. So it's kind of hard to um, get a good read on some of these teams. Cause like even like Gonzaga, you look at a team like Gonzaga, right. The best team in their conference, I think is like St. Mary's and they never make the tournament. I don't think, or they might, but it's so Gonzaga's had like an easy, they say like they've had an obviously an easier time. So it'll be, very interesting to see what happens when they have to play like a stiffer competition. Like, don't get me wrong. I think Gonzaga is a pretty good team, but it's just going to be interesting to see when they play someone that's got some, a little bit more caliber to them. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what's happened with to the pac 12. Everybody was shitting on them because they all had these terrible records. Uh, but I think their conference was just really good overall. So they beat up on each other and then, you know, they get to the tournament and, is Colorado still alive too, or did they lose? They lost. So they're the only, the only undefeated or the only defeated team out of the Pac-12, I guess. I'm just looking at their standings here. So, so Oregon won the conference. They were 21 and six. USC was 24 and seven. Colorado 23 and nine. UCLA 20 and nine. Arizona 17 and nine. Oregon State won their tournament 19 and 12. And then it's you know it's it's teams that didn't have good years, but like Stanford, 14-13, Utah, 12-13, Arizona State, 11-14, Washington State, 14-13, Washington, 5-12, and and Cal, 9-20. and um, So they had five teams in the tournament, and yeah, they, they, they've they showed out. Like they've, they've played really good, solid basketball through, uh, through the first couple of rounds. Yeah, I guess that's like even the – you know, like they were saying, what's the conference that Michigan's in the big, the big 10 or something like that? Are they in the big 10? Yeah. I think their conference, they like, they had a lot of high ranked teams and they were been pretty shit other than Michigan. I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, they had Michigan, Michigan, Illinois on the one line, Ohio state and Iowa yeah, on Ohio the two state. Line. Yeah. So yeah, it's just pretty, pretty unpredictable, I guess, to say the least this year. So. Definitely the uh, selection committee was duped, but at least we've got to see some good basketball. Number 15 seed Oral Roberts has advanced. They've uh, they took out Ohio State. Um, and then who do they play in this? They're playing a seven seed. They played Florida. So they beat Florida uh, by three. They beat Ohio State by more than that. Uh, Oral Roberts, not to be confused with Anal Roberts. Oh, look, you can go to Oral Roberts. Oh, and there's Anal Roberts. Boy, that is a tough, tough place to get into, Lois. That is tough. But once you're in there, you'll be surprised how much you like it. <laughs> They've advanced to the uh, the Sweet 16, uh, the Cinderella story of the tournament so far. You guys got any other thoughts on uh, college basketball? No, I'm. Uh, I like just leaving it right there at the uh, whole Oral Roberts thing. I think you uh, knocked it out of the park. All right. Well, let's shift over to hockey then. The North Division has experienced their first bout with COVID cancellations. The Montreal Canadiens have had an outbreak in their facility. A uh, couple games have been canceled so far. I think they're going to end up missing four altogether. Um, they're off the schedule till March 28th, I think. Yeah, yeah. which is a Sunday. So, Kuda, what happened? Uh, apparently two players are in the uh, COVID protocol. I'm not sure if... They've attract if they got COVID or 
but it sounds like they did get COVID for them to cancel the games for the rest of the week. So you got two players. I don't know which one has it or what, but it's Cockneyemi and Joel Armini. They uh, both uh, are under the NHL's COVID uh, protocols right now. And the Habs and the, or the Oilers are playing, right? Correct. Yes. Their games got canceled. Like seemed like the game got canceled like five minutes before the game actually started on Monday, which was like really weird. Like, why would you wait last minute to cancel? I it? think it was before warm-ups. And why couldn't yeah, you play it, with it these had two guys? Like, it's not like it's the whole team. Well, it's it's because of contact tracing, and they needed to retest, and they needed to to do a bunch of things they couldn't do. They probably got the the results late. Was what it was. That's the protocol. You should be happy that you guys didn't have to play. Why? You probably were going to lose. Who says that? Me. You never know. They've been playing well re- recently. Well, the Oilers have been running teams out of the building, running amok. Because had two guys on COVID, Toffoli's out. You're probably going to start Jake Allen. No, Price was starting. Oh, was he? Yep. I checked fantasy beforehand and Price was starting. Yeah, you're probably still going to lose. Well, yeah. You know what? You're going to fuck him. And lose. then you're going to be down your starting goaltender when he loses all his confidence after Connor puts a six spot on him. Let's talk a little bit but about Connor's Connor. Not He's not putting a six for, spot like, on him. He's on pace for like 99 points in this season. How how fucking stupid is that? What was our yeah. prop at the beginning of the year for over under point leader? <laughs> I feel like it was in the 70s. I don't even remember. I think it was. <laughs> it probably was in the 70s, and he's going to like surpass it. I, I think he's I, surpassed I, it already, he hasn't he? He's already surpassed it. Like, no, not he's yet. Like he's fucking unreal. Yeah, because he already had 50 points like not too long ago. Let's see here. Do I still have it somewhere? Kev might have it somewhere. Yeah, Connor McDavid has 60 points so far. But it's like, it's so weird because there's like games where he won't register a point. Like, you look yeah, at but this. That's rarely, that rarely happens. No, it, it happens like one every three or four games. He doesn't get a point. And the next game, no, he goes out bullshit. and he gets like four or five points. No, that's bullshit. He usually gets at least a point. He has a 10 game point streak right now, maybe at 11. Before that, I guarantee you there was at least two or three games where he did not register a point. Okay, then maybe what I'm thinking is him and Dreisaitl, when they're both like not on the score sheet, that's like really rare, and it happens maybe once every two years. Yeah, our, our I think in the last under, two years they've only the both of them not being on the score sheet together. Yeah, we never did a that? points total. We never did a points total for over under. We did uh, we did goals, which he he might still eclipse because our over under for goals was uh, what, well three and a half players over thirty three goals. I, we both have the over on that. Well, Kudo. we got two at 21 right now. Yeah, so we need we need to get some goal scoring. We need Matthews to start lighting the lamp again, but I think we still get there. Kudo, he's got seven games this year where he hasn't got a point. Okay, yeah, Jones, I, was t- I fucked up, okay? Because I was just, thinking I'm of him and Dreisaitl together on the score sheet. It's really rare for them to both be off the score sheet in a game. Yeah, I think it happened against Toronto. That was yes. would be my guess. Well, Only you're just one lucky, game against, uh, two games against Trudeau, Toronto. you're just lucky happened. that uh, he's not going to cost you a 2-4. He's going to block Marner from winning the scoring title. <laughs> I think it's not even close. He needs to get hurt for Dreisaitl to win the scoring title, I think. All right. Um, Leafs have placed a couple players on waivers over the last week, and the Canucks have been scooping up the Leafs' garbage. Uh, they picked up both Jimmy VC and something Boyd, Travis Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Travis, Tyler Boyd? Travis Boyd? I think it's Travis Boyd. Some Boyd. 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 And not Devereaux. Some Boyd. Travis. Travis Boyd. I accept your apology. Who gives a shit, Boyd? A uh, couple milestones in the NHL this past week. Um, Alex the Great passed Phil Esposito for sixth on the all-time goal-scoring list. Uh, I think he's about uh, 120 behind Gretzky, something like that. He's got a chance. I'll say he's got a chance. If he sticks around in the NHL, he's got a chance. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got a shot at it. I don't think he does. He's one of the greatest goal scorers in our generation. I think I could think you could say he's probably the greatest goal scorer in our generation. You, you got to consider too. Yeah, so not one of the greatest. He's also lost two seasons because of work stoppages, and then he's lost games because of COVID in two seasons. So he's lost almost... He's lost two full seasons of his career for sure. So, you know, I, you, I, in my opinion, he's going to be the best goal scorer. And, and especially if he if he passes Gretzky, like it just cements it. Like There's no debate. Like he's the amount of time lost. Uh, yeah, I get it. You know, equipment, whatever. But goalies are 100 times better now than they were when Gretzky was walking around them or hitting clappers through their stand-up five hole. 
<laughs> going on a breakaway, just teeing up for a clapper. Yeah, you, yeah, but literally just sticks are also hundred times better now than they were back then. No, no, and that's what I said. The equipment's better, but the goalies are also a hundred times better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, like, everything's improved. Okay, I yeah, agree on that. I agree on that. I'm just saying, I, I don't know if you can take people from one generation and put them in another generation and put them off against each other. I don't know. That's just the way I look at it. I think. Well, I say I think you know. I think if Gretzky you put was Gretzky in his generation with this with the with the equipment, I think Ovechkin's probably still scoring more goals than Gretzky. Now, if if Ovechkin goes back into Gretzky's era, I don't know because Ovechkin's if, got that. If spoon. Ovechkin goes back into Gretzky's era, era, I don't think I don't think he could play. Oh, he'd be killing people. Well, Gretzky no, he that wouldn't steal two piece. The way Ovechkin hits, he'd kill people. He'd be more of a power forward than a goal scorer, I think, if he played in Gretzky's era. Yeah, but that's so then he wouldn't be able to compete with Gretzky in goal scoring, is what you're saying. I'm just saying he'd be more of a hitter, I think. I just don't think you can, like, I think Wayne Gretzky could play in this generation. Yeah, he could now because there's, like, no hitting. Exactly. That's, like, the style of, like, he avoided contact, and now he could, play, he, I think he would be a better goal scorer now than he would, would than he was back then. I think he. I think he'd be a better. You no, know he'd be more of a now. playmaker because he was a yeah. solid playmaker. Oh yeah, definitely better passer. He's a he's a playmaker. That's why he his office is known as behind the net. He also scored fifty goals in thirty nine games. Well, yeah, but it was yeah, easy. Yeah, but back you were in net goals. for that. <laughs> You're just taking. Just ask Ray Ferraro. <laughs> um, another milestone this past week. Uh, kudos, doppelganger uh, Mika Zabanajad of the New York Rangers. Uh, tied Brian Trottier's <laughs> uh, record for most points in a single period by scoring six points in the second period or first period. One of the periods. In, uh, it was a 9 nothing route of the, the Flyers by the Rangers. Did you guys see that game? Uh, I didn't see it, but I was like seeing how Zibanejad kept getting points on it on my fantasy because I was playing somebody who had Zibanejad, so I got killed that week. Like last week, I did not. See I'm the just game. glad I took Carter Hart out of my lineup that day. Oh, I had a really smart move you did there. He got lit up. Well, not really. He only got like what four goals let let in in like one period. Well, it still has a terrible, terrible yeah, goals against average and a terrible save percentage. If you had both Philly goalies that day, it would have sucked to be you. Sure would. I'm sure, all the Philly fans felt the same. Hey, speaking of goalies, uh, Ottawa Senators. This one's for Johnny Hot Wheels. Some some sense talk on the pod. Uh, Philip Gustafson of uh, the Ottawa Senators picked up his first career win last night. Uh, the the Senators beat the Flames two to one. Uh, after the game, Flames classy defenseman Rasmus Anderson uh, picked up the game puck and tried to leave the ice with it. Uh, Brady Kachuk went after him to uh, to get the puck back. He. Uh, Rasmus threw the puck back on the ice, and then uh, Brady's brother Matthew decided to slap it at the boards on the other and shoot it away from him to the other side of the ice. What, what do you guys think? Is it a classy move by the Flames? Just or? classless. Total classless, gutless move. Um, it was a funny scene. I, yeah, but it's like, it's just them being babies. Like, they, they lose and they're being babies. It's like they're losing in the third period and they run around trying to take cheap shots and fight people just because they're losing. They're just like a bunch of babies. They need to like to grow up a bit. Like they're playing professional. Like think about it the other way. Like what if that was like Rasmus Anderson's first NHL goal and some guy from the flames takes the puck and shoots it over 20 feet into the stands. Like, you know what I mean? Like to me, but that happens half the time in the playoffs after a win or something. Remember the home team or whoever wins tries to grab the puck, but the other team will be dicks and like, try to keep it or shoot it away. There was something like that. I think Bieksa did something like that once where he was trying to keep the puck. Yeah, like, but it's, uh, it's, it's not like a a milestone. A play, playoff win's a playoff win. Like this kid won his first NHL game, or like first NHL game. That's like you, if you ask any NHL player where their first NHL goal puck was, they can all tell you where it is. They all have it. They all have their first win puck as a goalie. Like that's just something that everyone keeps. Right. So, like, I don't think, I think they're just being big babies about it. Well, Anderson was being a big baby. I think Kachuk, uh, Matthew Kachuk, was just being funny and shooting away from his brother when his brother was trying to grab it. 
I think it would have been funnier if uh, Daryl Sutter made his team go to the fucking Sens dressing room after with the dressing room after the game with the puck and made them apologize to the Senators. Have Anderson uh, just go like, yeah, like I'm so sorry I took the puck from you. Here you are. (laughs) Pretty much, I think that would have been even better. Did, Did Sutter say anything after the game? I didn't. I don't think so. I'm just, I just think that would be funny. Oh, he probably didn't even see it. He was probably already like in the dressing room waiting for the guys to come in or something. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, NFL free agency continued uh, through the last week. We had a uh, number more signings throughout the week. Uh, I'll just give you some highlights here. Uh, Juju signed back with the Steelers. Uh, Galloway uh, from the Lions. The receiver signed with the Giants. Uh, Will Fuller signed with the Dolphins on a pretty cheap deal for a guy who had a good year as a wide receiver last year. Uh, Curtis Samuel signs with the football team, which is a really nice signing for them. He's they got a you know he's a pretty underrated wide receiver. Uh, knows um, oh what's the other receiver in in Washington? Jones. He was on your football. He was on your fantasy team this year. Oh, uh, McLaurin. Yeah, McLaurin. They uh, they went to school together. They're friends, so they're pretty excited to be playing together. And they got the uh, the baller Fitz Magic under center. So you know, I expect some big uh, receiving numbers from those guys. Mike Davis, who had a big year filling in for Christian McCaffrey, um, cashed in on a deal with the Falcons. Uh, Patrick Peterson, the shutdown cornerback, uh, signed with uh, Minnesota Vikings. AJ Green coming off a few years of injury uh, signs a one-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they're going to have a pretty lethal offense. They've got uh, they've got DeAndre and AJ now. Um, no word if uh, Fitzgerald's going to be back, uh, but they've also got uh, Christian Kirk. So they got a pretty pretty solid receiving core. Uh, we'll see if they use it this year because uh, and then they got their Kenyon quarterback Drake. likes to run the ball. No, Drake. Drake's gone. He signed with um, the uh, Vegas. He signed with Vegas, which was kind of a strange. Uh, oh, str- yeah, I forgot strange that. signing for Vegas because they've got some running backs, but I guess he becomes their backup. They must have lost. Uh, I forget who their backup. Oh, Booker. Yeah, Booker went somewhere else. So, um, so he steps in as the number two back in uh, in Vegas. Emmanuel Sanders and Mitch Trubisky headed to Buffalo. Uh, joining Bills Mafia, uh, Joe Flacco signed with the Eagles, uh, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, and Tyrod Taylor signed with the Houston Texans, and uh, a signing that I'm 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 really I really like I think is really good signing. Uh, your Dallas Cowboys they signed uh, Keanu O'Neill from the Falcons. Uh, Neil been playing safety. It sounds like he's going to play um, some yeah. sort of hybrid linebacker or something like that for them. He's going to play weak side linebacker. Yeah, he's going to play weak side linebacker. So he'll be like mostly in the cover. He'll cover probably tight ends and uh, some guys out of the slot too. Uh, I think it's a nice signing. Only cost $4 million bucks for a one-year deal. So I think good good piece. And then if you know they get safety injuries, then you know he's a guy they can flex back there if they need to. So uh, I, I, I liked him playing for uh, – Playing for the Falcons, so I'm, you know, I thought I sent it to you guys right up, right when I saw it. I thought it was a nice signing. Yeah, it's good to see them doing something. Um, they still need to do some more work on the defense. I think they'll do some of that at the draft. They've got a couple corners coming in for um, visits, but that'll you never know what'll happen there. I don't think they have a ton of cap space left. Um, they had to get a bunch of the O line to restructure. Yeah, they they worked out to have like. I think 17 or 24 million dollars in cap space once they restructured deals and stuff like that so they down four probably now probably like six or eight million they're down of the four, 17 yeah, to Dak, 20 million right? plus Dak's 40 million i think that was after Dak. so we'll see it'll be interesting to see what they what they do uh giants also signed uh, a dory jackson to go with um uh joey gall is it joey gall galladay Galladay? Is it Joey? Kenny Galladay. Kenny. Yeah, yeah. Kenny. Gen- Joey Gall- Joey Galloway was a receiver for the Cowboys, wasn't he, back in the day? I think so. I think maybe the Lions, too. I thought you were thinking of Joey Gallo. Oh, no, the baseball player? No, wasn't thinking of him yeah, this time. Yeah, that's what I thought you were thinking of. Any uh, any thoughts on any of the signings? 
Joey Galloway. Juju apparently had an offer from Kansas City and turned it down and went to the Steelers for less money from my understanding. I think he signed for about $4 million less, which I find is like weird. I don't know why he would turn down a deal from a team like Kansas City to go back to Pittsburgh, who's still got like old grandpa back there throwing the ball. So that, to me, I don't know what that signing means. Um, maybe he likes grandpa. Maybe. You never know. Um, I do like the Curtis Samuel signing to the football team. Yeah, I was just going to say the Kansas City ahead, um, decline doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me as much because they're, they're so loaded on offense that you know he doesn't want to go in and just be a cog in the machine. He wants to stand out. Uh, but one that what surprised me with him was that the Ravens offered him multi years at more money, and and he turned it down. So you know that was one. You know you always see teams, you know guys move within the division. They Ravens have no wide receivers. They're bringing in uh, Sammy Watkins, I think, is going to be their, you know, their prize wide receiver signing. So you know, kind of shocked that that Juju didn't go to. Uh, uh, that you didn't go to the the Ravens and uh, Joey Galloway update. He played for the Seahawks, uh, Bucks, Cowboys, Patriots, and football team. There you go. I think that um, him not going to the Ravens was because I I don't think people are sold on Lamar Jackson yet as a pass a passer. I think like people still think he's a bit erratic and maybe he. He feels he's going to get the ball more back in Pittsburgh with knowing like Ben Roethlisberger, that's all he's going to do is throw the, he's either going to hand the ball off to his running backs or he's going to throw it where Lamar Jackson is like some, some games he could have like 20 yards passing. You know what I mean? Like compared to when Ben's throwing like for three or 400. Right. So I think that kind of might play a bit into it too. I think Lamar's a good passer. He just uh, doesn't get the chance really. Like he's got he's got no weapons. Like his Hollywood Browns his big play, and he's he's way undersized. So there's nobody that he can have like a, a throw it up to receiver. Like he's got a Hollywood Browns got to beat coverage in order to to make a play. His tight ends are always his leading receivers because they're the the big bodies, but they're not as athletic to go and you know make big plays. So you know I I think he he's a capable passer he just never had any any decent weapons to throw to I, I think Sammy Watkins will be you know as much as I joke that he's the he's the prize I, I think he actually adds something that they need because he's got some size and you know if he can if he can still jump then he, he gives them a good weapon yeah I, I don't know maybe it's something just about the team in general that he just doesn't want to pl- play for them right I don't know or maybe he thinks he goes back to Pittsburgh this year and has a great season and can cash in even higher next year with someone, right? Yeah, he wants to be the number one guy. That's probably why yeah, he's going some back. Some local endorsements but, or something. Yeah. It's better to have the devil you know than the devil you don't, I guess. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's a big story in the NFL going on right now, guys. I don't want to touch too much on it because there's not not a lot known about it to this point. Uh, but uh, Deshaun Watson seems to be in a bit of hot water. He's facing 14 lawsuits right now, and the number keeps growing. Um, and these are all from unidentified uh, massage therapists in the Houston area that are coming forward that he has um, acted inappropriately towards them. Now, you know, I don't want to condone sexual assault or anything like that. So, I'm, you know, we're not going to, I don't want to touch on it too much until the facts play out. It's just such a wild story when you kind of dig into the fact that he's in this contract dispute or this um, this trade demand with the team. This lawyer comes out of nowhere with these unidentified allegations. Um, he's apparently a friend of the owner of the Texans. Uh, there's apparently been uh, like this is from from Deshaun's legal team. They're they're defending that you know it, it makes no sense that they're protecting. You know, obviously, you want to protect the the victims from the public, but in order for them to, you know, make a defense, you know, they need to know who's making the allegations, and they're not bringing forward, they're not releasing any names, they're not bringing anything forward. And Deshaun knows already of some um, some women that have tried to, uh, and and I think in the same profession that have tried that have had consensual relations with him. 
that have, you know said it's consensual, but have come trying to extort money of them previously. So it, it's just kind of a wild story. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's uh, I don't know what to make of it because like some some things you read is like you know the Texans are doing this to tarnish his reputation and keep him, and then some things you read is like well maybe Deshaun's doing this so that he can have an easier out like the team will just trade him anywhere now like it's just kind of it's it's a whole mess and i think until we like get the facts we won't really know what's going on yeah apparently two more were filed this afternoon so he's up to 16 now yeah like it's just just seems ridiculous yeah and to me like just the amount of people coming out and and um saying stuff like filing these lawsuits I, I i don't know it's like hard not to believe it because there's so many of them like you know what i mean like if it was like four two or three like you know it's kind of one of those things okay well maybe the team is trying to do this but then when there's so many of them it's just crazy i don't know i just yeah and i don't want to say it's convenient but like it, it's just strange to me that so many people in the same profession are, are all coming out together maybe it just takes one to you know to inspire other victims to to come forward and and who knows but it's just kind of a just you know it's just a wild situation and you know we hope that uh justice prevails and that everything you know works itself out in the legal system but just kind of a wild story in the nfl and you know who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun at this point like I, i can't see any any nfl team touching him with a 10 foot pole until they get some sort of resolution now. And, you know, the clock's ticking towards next season. And, you know, if they've got to settle 16 plus lawsuits before then, before they can get a trade out of there, like, yikes, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, it, it just seems wild. And and are the Texans going to put them on the field? If this is all going on behind the scenes, like, man, a, a very unenviable yeah, exactly. situation. I don't see them putting them on the field if this is still going on when the season starts. But yeah, I, I I guess it's just like who was saying it? I I they were saying like it's a they're lawsuits. They're not like elite, like they're not charges they're filed suits, with the yeah. police. They're like lawsuits, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's so yeah, because right now they're saying there's one out there that's they have strong evidence that it's a false claim. Yeah, so it's it's just so hard, and like I'm not gonna comment any more really any more on it because i don't know any of the facts so it's just yeah i was i was reading today that there's also a bunch on that are coming out in support of deshaun like uh massage therapists that he's used i guess that haven't you know that has you know are coming out in support saying that he's you know been a perfect gentleman which doesn't obviously change circumstances in these other cases of you know what's being alleged like you know what he does with one person doesn't mean that he wouldn't do something else with somebody different but man like i i, I don't know like it's it's strange for sure um, how many massage therapists does one guy need is my thing well that, that's that's yeah and usually if you find one don't you stick with one you, you would think so like that's probably the what's most concerning to me is that there's so many coming out like if he's got he's got 16 filing suits against them and he's got you know how many coming out in, in support of him like how like <laughs> the the numbers are are getting astronomical. He's only been in the league for like six years, so he's only been in Houston for that long. I don't know that you know this stems back to college or anything like that, but like it, really, how many how many masseuses do do you need? You'd, th- you'd think you'd just have one on retainer, like with what he's probably paying for. You know, you put somebody on your on your payroll for you know sixty thousand dollars a year and have your you know personal uh, massage therapist or something like. You you would think that the team has a massage therapist or a team of massage therapists that these guys would be using. Like that's what I I I don't see like why they wouldn't have this at their facility. So to me, it's just a whole like I don't know. It's just a whole weird situation. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he just likes going to different ones and trying them out. Yeah, like is he getting treatment on his own out in the season? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. I, I, on a lighter note, in the in the stuff, uh, the world of stuff, guys. I, I really got some stuff I want to talk about here. 
Uh, I don't know if I should save this one, go with this one first or go with it last. Um, it's a pulp, pop culture stuff. Well, what do you guys think? Should I? The first one you have? Yeah. Go last. I think that should be last. Yeah. Go last? Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that one. Yeah. Yeah, go last. Okay. So the world of golf, we got the world golf match play coming up this weekend. Uh, they've divi- divided up into groups of four. I'm not quite sure. I'm guessing they just play down like a bracket, but they released these groups of four, which was... Anyways, Justin Thomas ended up in a group of death. Match play is always kind of a wild tournament. I think they play like they play like two rounds a day starting Wednesday. To you know, they got to get through, and then the finals I think is a thirty-six hole. Um, Thirty. I think they play thirty-six holes in the finals. Kind of a it, it's a, it's a fun event because you know you're playing head to head with somebody. It's not it's not stroke play. It's hole play, so you could blow up and it doesn't matter. You know, always, always entertaining to watch. Um, who do you guys who do you guys take in this weekend? Who's gonna who's gonna take the, the world golf match play? Let's see here. Who would I take to win the match play? I am gonna go off the board. I'm going to go to the group of death and I'm gonna take Kevin Kisner. Just just right off the board. All right. Kudo? He's looking at the groups right now. I'm trying to. <laughs> All right. I'll I'll pick while we're waiting for you, Kudo. I just think these young guys play a lot of match play growing up. I think that, you know, they've, they've got the, the game to put up birdies. I'm going to take Matthew Wolf. There you go. Matt Wolf. He's a, he's a good pick. It's going to be, I just know it's going to be interesting. I always like to watch match play. John Rom. John Rom, who might not be at the masters due to his baby being born. All right. Um, next on my list of stuff, I've got, uh, Blue Jays injuries are starting to pile up. Kudo's very concerned with Kirby Yates going down for the season. They don't have a true closer in the bullpen. George Springer's got a bit of an oblique strain. And, you know, the starting rotation's, you know, a bit weak with, with some injuries right now. Kudo, what's uh, what's going on in your head with when you think... Robbie of- Ray's got a bruised elbow. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if the Jays need to go out and get a new closer now. Or do they go with... Uh- Somebody who's already in the bullpen and uh, a line that I like pick them to be the new closer for the Jays. That's what I'm wondering in my head. I think they've got some good power arms in the bullpen already that they could, they can use in the higher leverage situations. I don't think they were, I think Yates was going to carry the tag, but I don't know that, you know, they were planning to go with a true closer. I think they have a group of guys that they like, um, you know, Jordan Romano, Julian Mayweather, those guys I, I think are, you know, going to be, they've got uh, David Phelps back. He's going to be in a candidate for some high leverage situations. Uh, they really like the way uh, TJ Zoik's been throwing the ball, but I think they were planning to have him as a, either a long guy or, or a starter. So I'm not sure whether he fits into the bullpen. Maybe Pearson goes to the bullpen if he can't, you know, get healthy enough to start. You know, they, they've got, I, I don't know, you know, they may add another reliever, but I think they've got some some high leverage arms there. Yeah, that sucks for Yates. That's like the second time in his career that he needs to get Tommy John. Isn't the guy like 33, 34 years old too? Yeah, you can't feel too bad for him. He's still going to get paid $12 million or $8 million or whatever the Jays paid him to go have surgery and then rehab to maybe sign a contract next year so. Can't feel too bad for him, but yeah, it's it's bad luck for sure. Yeah, he's thirty three years old. Did you guys see this story out of Chicago Cubs uh, spring training? They had a prospect uh, arrested at training camp. He was found with twenty two pounds of meth and oxy in his uh, ball bag. Yes, I heard this story and okay. I read some of it. I also heard. Yes, a story. I read. <laughs> I'm just shocked that this guy doesn't have like a fall guy like. Hey, you're the guy that's gonna carry my oxy and meth, and I'm gonna. Well, he was the fall guy. If you read the story about it, I didn't read the story. Oh, he's the fall guy. He's he took it for somebody else. Yeah, so somebody in I believe in Mexico, this drug dealer, I guess, called him up and said, "Hey, I, I'm gonna send you a a bag. Just take it to like Arizona, or he was in Arizona. He was going somewhere, or was he going to Arizona? I don't know. They asked him to carry the bag for him." And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. I can drop it off, whatever. He's like, I'll pay you once you get there and you drop the bag off for me. So he had it with him and he went to spring training with it and everything, not knowing because he didn't check the bag. And obviously, like, why he should have pulled a, it's not mine, I swear. 
Isn't that what you're supposed to always do when there's like you get questioned about a bag? Oh, it's not mine, I swear. So you mean to tell me this prospect is so stupid that he took a bag from a drug dealer well, to carry allegedly, it to, I guess, drug dealer. To take it to Arizona. He didn't check the bag. He brought it to the facility with him. Well, he had it with him, yeah. Well, why he was supposed he... to drop it off that night or something, and then well, fucking drop it off before you take it. Like, leave it in a car, or leave it somewhere. Don't take it with you to the facility. Oh, <laughs> you probably can't leave it in the car. He was dumb enough melt. to bring it into the clubhouse and everything with him. Yeah. <laughs> Will it actually melt? Does meth melt? <laughs> Do we know this? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, like he's definitely the fall guy, but he's also making like 150 bucks a week as a spring as a minor league ball player, so. You know, he, he might have needed the, you know, one-time payday to, uh, you know, to get through the season. He probably would have made it. He probably would have got like 50K to uh, to do this drop, I bet. The street value of that stuff was probably in the million-dollar range. So, he can't, uh, you know, I, I don't know who it was. I don't know the prospect's name or what his circumstances are, but wild story for sure. But you, you can't always blame him, you know, for you know, for these types of things, but yeah, pretty, pretty stupid risk to take, but I guess he just thought that you know, being in a major league ballpark, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't check his bag or something. I don't know. Yeah. So apparently he was offered $500 to deliver a duffel bag to Denver <laughs> from, from a friend in Mexico. $500. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. So he thought it was like a bag containing shoes and clothes <sighs> and he had no clue when it was drugs. So he was driving and he got pulled over. Jesus. That's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Apparently he was on his way to Denver to teach a baseball clinic for kids when he got pulled over <laughs> by police and questioned. <laughs> like, and apparently he was he was speeding and like swerving, like drifting lanes. And I don't know. That's what I just saw now about that story. Nice. But if somebody's offering you 500 bucks, to, like, hey, just drop this bag off. You got to know that there's something to it. Like, if one yeah, of you guys ask me, oh, Kudo, take this duffel bag and drive it up. Like, I'm going to be like, what's in the back? I'm not going to be like, just assume it's clothes. Like, well, Kudo, you're, you're going to, shake, uh, Kudo, you're going to Denver. Uh, you take this bag for me. I'll, I'll pay you 500 bucks when you get there. Yeah. Okay. What's in the bag? <laughs> I'll take the 500, look. but what's in the bag? It's, don't it's just clothes and shoes, man. So what's in the gym bag? Uh, it's a kilo of blow. What's with all the fucking questions? But don't open it. <laughs> Why not? Because I said so. <laughs> uh, NBA trade deadline is fast approaching. It goes down Thursday uh, with the Raptors in free fall. Do you think that they move Kyle Lowry and Norm Powell? They better. They need to get something for them. I think they need to get rid of one of them the way they're going. Fucking terrible. How do you lose to Houston, who was on like a 20-game losing streak? That's fucking brutal. Yeah. It's the battle I think, of the I losers, I think Powell's got to go for sure. Powell, hundred percent, they got to move. He's he doesn't make that much yeah. money. Um, he's going to opt out of his contract, so teams aren't going to worry too much about that. Lowry's a little bit trickier to make happen, just because he makes so much money. So they got to be able to bring that much money back. So you know, who, what other teams do they have to bring into this trade to make the money work? Is going to be the biggest thing, and you know they're going to do right by him, so they're not just going to send him anywhere. So. If they can get a good offer from Miami or Philly, I think he'll uh, he'll go there. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know that he's going to go to the Lakers or the Clippers. I, don't, I just don't know that he wants to uh, to do that. So, you know, if he he'll give them, you know, he'll tell Masai, you know, where he wants to go, and I'm sure the they're going to do right by him. And if if he they don't have offers from those teams, then uh, they'll just keep them. So why not Brooklyn? Isn't everyone going to Brooklyn right now? Yeah, well, they it's gonna be tough to make uh make the money work there, especially because of uh, the players that they have. Uh, plus, I, I don't know that Kyle wants to go and play with those. Like, there's only one ball. You know, they've got they've got Harden and Kyrie that want to handle the ball already. You know, does does he fit with Brooklyn? No, probably not. You know, maybe. I, you know, I can't see him wanting to go to Milwaukee. You know, Philly. You know, Boston doesn't seem to be. You know, they're kind of in a similar spot to the Raptors where they're playing terrible ball. And, you know, they could make a run if they get in, but, you know, they, you know, they're looking to, to shake up their roster. I, I can't see them looking to invest in, in Kyle to make that change unless, 
they're trading Kemba Walker away for something. Um, so, you know, I, I think the teams that he's interested in are the, probably the ones that make sense, like Philly and, and Miami. So. Yeah, it would, just, it would just seem weird for him to leave Toronto. Well, he's going to leave. They're not going to resign him in the offseason, I don't think. He's going to go elsewhere unless unless they give him, unless he takes less money because he's not getting any other offers. But I think he's going somewhere else. So he's going to come back to Toronto someday. They're going to retire his number. They're going to, you know, put a statue up. But he he's not going to he's not going to finish his career playing ball for the Raptors. I don't think. Okay, guys, I saw this story in my feed yesterday. Apparently, while filming Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams just went off script so many times and um, improvised so much of the movie that they have alternative cuts of it. And they have uh, they have like a, a mature audiences and a rated R version of Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, shit. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry to frighten you. Dear. I must look like a Yeti in this getup. Would you guys watch and do you want to see the rated R version of Mrs. Doubtfire? 100%. Fucking right, I do. Oh, sir. I saw it. Some angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? Oh, the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. I, 100% R-rated Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, And to see another Robin Williams movie would be fucking awesome. It's cool. It's a guy thing. Yeah, agreed. He was fucking a legend. And he was hilarious. And yeah, and he's known for some uh, R-rated things. Yeah, the movie's gonna be very similar, so you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. He's just gonna a lot of his lines are gonna be changed to probably hilarious, off the cuff, you know, whatever. More swearing. Yeah. Oh, definitely more swearing. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. Oh my God. Chris, wait. Lydia, Lydia, come on. We gotta call the cops. We gotta dial nine one one now. Why? Well, Mrs. Doubtfire. He's a she. He's a she. He's a she. She. What? Ah. Uh, uh, he's half man, half woman. What? Yes, I what? swear. What I did. What? No, just calm down. Right. Just relax, please. You're gonna get it in the balls. Yeah. She's got him. She's got everything. It. it I think it would be hilarious. Definitely. I. I I'd be interested. Uh, you know. I'm curious to see what what it would look like for sure. What are you looking at? Okay, Jones. Why don't you uh, put us on the grill? Yeah, we could we could do some grill. We could uh, get some steaks on there. Slowly turn them, make them just beautiful. It's the grill. It's the grill. All right, let's start. Kind of touched on this one already, but let's start with the Jays. Um, they've got some. Injuries in the pitching department. Do you guys, I heard something from Shapiro saying that he's looking into maybe making a trade for some pitching depth. What do you guys think? Do you think they need to make a trade before the season starts? Or do you think that they should just start with what they've got, see what what they've got and just kind of ride the wave for a little bit? I think they should uh, wait to see what they have, sort of ride the wave just to see how it goes for the first couple games and how, um, the pitches react and how and work and like use your pitchers and see if someone steps up that can be a closer for you without going out to spend money to find a closer. I think you got to wait and see, or I think you got to, you got to look at the trade market and see what you can get. If you can acquire a controllable arm that can step into your starting rotation right away, I think you make that trade. If you know, I don't think you go out and acquire a reliever or anything. I think because you have some banged up starters, if you get a starter and then you get, say, Robbie Ray back and your rotation is, you know, standing up with with Ryu and Nats and what's his shitty face, um, the number five starter. You know, if the if it's holding up and then Pearson comes back and you don't need him in the rotation, you can move him to be the back end of your bullpen. Um, you know, definitely, I, I you know, I, I take that. If, if you're you're just adding like a, another number five starter, I, I don't see the point. You got enough. You got enough arms in your system that you can give a shot to to fill that role. Okay, I like it. Um, let's go basketball now. Um, there's we talked about it earlier. There's four uh, double digit seeds remaining in the NCAA tournament. I want to know 
which one of those teams do you think has the uh, the best chance to make make a run, maybe make it to the the final four, or at least the elite eight? I will tell you who they're playing. Just give me one sec here. We've got uh, UCLA plays Bama, and then we've got Arkansas is playing Oral Roberts, not to be confused with Anal Roberts. <laughs> Um, Loyola is playing Oregon State and Syracuse is playing Houston. So I want to know which team you guys think is it's got the best chance to maybe even make it to the you know the Elite Eight or the Final Four. I'm trying to load my bracket so that I can see what it how it shapes up beyond those games. Off the top of my head, I would say I think Syracuse has the best chance. Yeah, because they're in the they're with uh, Loyola, Oregon State, Syracuse, and Houston. That's that final four teams on that side there in the Midwest. Yeah, I think I think Syracuse has a, a chance to get to the final four for sure. Their their zone defense was unbelievable. And uh, Buddy Bayheim is just playing unreal as well. That's the truth. Kudo, you got anything? You got anything there, Kudo? Oh, Oregon State. I can see them. Okay. Or um, Oral Roberts. Just because you wanted to say it, isn't Just it? Just because I want to say Oral Roberts. It's really hard to get into Anal Roberts. <laughs> oh, and there's Anal Roberts. Boy, that is a tough, tough place to get into, Lois. That is tough. But once you're in there, you'll be surprised how much you like it. I, I do think that UCLA-Bama game is going to be a good one, though. Um, I think if UCLA gets through there, they you know they could easily get to the Final Four. I don't. Michigan's okay, Florida UCLA. State's okay, hey, hey. but I don't think they're I don't think they're world beaters by any stretch. Yeah, do you guys do you guys see anyone other than Gonzaga winning this right now, or do you think it's like their tournament to lose? I think Baylor's still got a real good team. I think they got a good chance. I think Alabama's got a really good chance, considering I kind of wanted to pick them to win it all, <laughs> but I decided to do uh, out of a hat and went with or- uh, Ohio State and totally lost on the first day. Perfect, Kudo. That's what you want to do. Yep. Lose on the first day. Yep. That's the name of the game. It's called I Lose. Yeah. Not I win, I lose. Not I win this time. I lose. All right. And we got the last one here. So there seems to be a goalie controversy starting to brew in Toronto, just like we had at the beginning of the year in Montreal between Carey Price and Jake Allen. Um, Do you guys think that the Leafs should keep starting Frederick Anderson and let him try and figure out what's going on with his game, or should they ride the hot hand of Jack Campbell? I'll let Hosk answer this one first, since he's a Leaf fan. Well, this scenario doesn't play out as cleanly as you as you outlined it there. Anderson's hurt right now, so Campbell Campbell's going to have the net. Uh, Campbell's got a chance to uh, to make a run here, and you know, and put a lot of pressure on Anderson. I think it kind of a twofold argument at the end of the day where if Campbell plays well, Anderson has time to get healthy and find his game. So there's no pressure for him to get back in there. But the problem might be if uh, Campbell plays well enough to, you know, give Anderson that time that, you know, their urgency to get Anderson back in the net might not be there when, when he's ready. But I think, I think Campbell plays till Anderson's ready. Um, then depending how how Campbell has done in his absence and then what Anderson does when he gets back will determine you know what you do you know whether it's a split or whether Anderson rides again kudo I think they should keep uh, Campbell and trade away Anderson because Anderson sucks and I've always said he sucked and they should ride uh, Campbell soupy there just go with the hot hand all right so uh, I, will, I will say this I will say I'm, this I'm though. not gonna disagree with you that go ahead Kosk. Anderson is playing himself into a position like he's he's in a corner where he he can't be the Leafs future. Like there's just there there's very little scenario where Anderson can be the Leafs future. He's free agent after this season, I think. Um, so if he plays if he plays well and they takes them far into the playoffs, he's a free agent and he's going to be looking to get paid and the Leafs won't be able to afford to keep him. And if he doesn't play well and they go out early in the playoffs, the Leafs are probably going to be looking to make a goalie move anyways. So the best case for the Leafs would probably be if Campbell plays well and steals the job because he's the, you know, he's the the low low paying goalie. So, you know, if he can be your future because of that, then 
you know, I think that's beneficial for, for the Leafs because there's not many scenarios where Anderson can, you know, can stick around after the season. Yeah, so this is what I was going to say about the whole situation. Uh, Kudo, I agree with you. I don't think Frederick Anderson is um, as good as people think. Some people think he is. He's never really won um, a big game. Any big game that he's been in, he's played absolutely garbage. Um, but in the same sense, I, I'm not buying any of the the Jack Campbell hype as of right now. Like he's won, he's played four games, started four games this year. He's got two shutouts and he's allowed two goals in each of their games, but he's only, he's played Calgary twice. He's played Edmonton once and he's played Ottawa once. He hasn't played a team like Winnipeg. He hasn't played a team like Montreal. So to say that he's just been all world or he's been great, yeah, he's got those four wins and his four starts fine, but he hasn't really faced any competition. Even against Calgary, he got lucky on a n- number of times. He was just swimming around in his net, almost Dominic Hasek-like, and he was out of position a lot. I just I don't think that Jack Campbell is a long-term answer for the Leafs, and that's all I got to say about that. No, but he's your answer for right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I would, to be honest with you, I, I don't think so. I think when... Frederick Anderson gets back, and when he is healthy, he is better than Jack Campbell. But right now, Soupy's better. That's just like saying at that point in time, you would rather Jake Allen start over Carey Price. I've just pointed out <laughs> you to you. You got me. You got me on that one. Right? Like I was just trying to shit disturber. Like Carey Price was getting outplayed by Jake Allen, but Montreal knows what they have in Carey Price, and they you kind of know what you have in Jake Allen too, right? Like, don't get me wrong, he's playing very well, but a couple seasons prior to that, Jake Allen was not a basically lost his job. Yeah, so, he was a backup. Yeah. I think Campbell can be a, a starter for a team, but maybe for the least right now, he's not their actual starter. I, th- I think if he's going to be a starter, it's he needs to have a platoon guy. I don't think he can be a bona fide starter. He's not going to be someone like a Carey Price or Jordan Bennington or um, someone like that where you can count on him night in, night out to play as well as he's playing. Like he's only ever been a backup in the NHL. And I don't think he's, I just don't think he's a bona fide number one goalie. Yeah. But at the same time, you've seen in recent years that these backup, you know, a lot of these backup goalies, they, you know, mature into the role and like, look at a guy like Kudobin who was you know, a journeyman goalie that couldn't crack with anybody, and he took the Stars to the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, you look at a guy like Tim Thomas from yeah. you know 10 years ago. He, he, you know, 15 years ago, he wasn't even in the league, and then he comes out of nowhere. He's winning Veznas and winning Stanley Cups. And, you know, so it, it is possible that these guys mature later and they find their game. And, you know, if Campbell's fine in his game right now, I'm, I'm fine with it. Let's, let's ride the wave. If, uh, if he's the, if he's the better goalie, better option. Yeah, I guess you just, you know, you, you can do that with any sport, I guess you, you pick two goalies out of however many goalies play in the NHL every year, right. To use your argument. But I just don't think that from watching him play from an eye test that he would be, uh, like he would be a good starter. You could see glimpses of Hudobin when he played. I just don't see the same thing in Jack Campbell. That's all. Well, I'm not saying that he's a Jonas Gustafson or anything like that, but you know, it, he he's no, been around. He's not. Like he, he, if he could if he could stop pucks, like you know, obviously there's there's more goalies and more evidence of goalies that haven't made it. But I'm just showing that there's examples of goalies that have persevered and you know and stuck around and you know may not have been you know he he was a he was a first round pick too so he was a high prospect coming in and he hasn't he hasn't filled out like he was projected to but you know he's maybe just figuring out his game over over time and and still has the ability to to figure it out long term well that's all i got for you guys it's good discussion and uh yeah we'll have to uh See what happens, and we'll uh, we'll put those on the back burner, and you know we might come back to some of those questions in uh, next couple weeks. That'll do, pig. That'll do. 
Thanks, Jones. All right, Kudo, you want to give us a, a week three recap of uh, what happened inside the Big Brother Canada house? Big Brother. Fuck. All right. What did we let, uh, left off? Victoria won uh, head of household. Yeah, that's where we left off. She won it. But then she put up Latoya and Kiefer, and she wanted everyone to get Kiefer out, saying that he was the target. But really, she was lying because she started like a, another group in the house alliance called the Oddballs. And they figured out that Latoya had an alliance with the two uh, two guys, Jetson and Tayshawn or Tyshawn. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I, th- I feel like I'm saying it wrong every time. We probably but basically, are. yeah, they were trying to get Latoya out, but keeping it hush hush and trying to say that Kiefer was the target and that she had nothing to do with it when she had like everything to do with it. And they had the POV. And who even won the POV? I forget now. Jetson. Jetson won the POV. And so he was going to use it on Latoya, but then Victoria convinced him not to use it. And that because if he used it, then his buddy Tyson was going to go up. So he was like, screw that. I'm not putting up my buddy. I'll just leave Latoya on there because Kiefer's going home because that's what Victoria was letting him think that Kiefer was going home. Even though Kiefer and Latoya were both part of their group, the uh, Sunsetters, which then like poor Kiefer was like, I'm the odd man out. They're like going to keep Latoya, even though I'm part of their alliance. So basically the Sunsetters, like Kiefer's group, kept him in or voted to vote him out while the other the other house guests voted uh, Latoya out and kind of blindsided her. And now there's drama happening in the house. Lots of drama. Lots and lots of drama. And you can't trust Victoria. <laughs> you cannot. I don't think I think a lot of them are playing pretty shady, to be honest with you. I don't think you can trust anybody in that game. No, they're all kind of lying to each other, which is hilarious. Yeah, they, they all came in kind of guns blazing, um, getting into the gameplay. So it's it's fun to watch from that aspect. I, you know, I, I'm not particularly fond of really any of the house guests. I don't really, it, it's kind of, you know, boring to watch to me, but at least the ga- they're all playing the game. So it, you know, makes up for it a little bit. That's been my kind of takeaway. I find it funny how they're all calling each other out for lying too. <laughs> like as soon as someone starts lying, they're like calling them out, like all oh, house meeting, like, Oh, I didn't say that. And this and that. And they're going off. It's like, man, it's big brother. Like fucking keep it quiet. Just play the fucking game. It's a game. <laughs> Everyone is lying to everybody. Part of the fucking game. Get over it. You're going to hear your fucking name. That's like, that's the one part that shocks me. It's like, you're going to hear your fucking name. It's part of the game. You want to hear your name. Cause then you know, you're playing well. If you don't hear your name, then you're a floater. And then it's like, fuck, you're going to be put out in no time. Yeah, I think Tina and Tara are playing the best game. They're kind of floating in the middle and just kind of, they're just almost like planting seeds in both sides to let them pick each other apart. And they're just sitting back and watching. This. Yeah. They're playing the smartest game right now. I think those two, because they try not to get involved in the big uh, drama either. They sit back and then they kind of feed the different groups, like little information here and there. Yeah. Going to be an interesting week. We'll see what uh, what unfolds. I'll also update the pool at some point so I can give it updated standings. Speaking of pools, how's our uh, how's our fantasy hockey pool doing? I'm, I've been in last place for like since day one, so I haven't really even looked at it. Uh, how's how's everybody doing? Uh, I think the three of us are near the bottom. I'm in seventh, and I think the most surprising one is the last ad at the before the draft happened. The Chad Dad there is a. In first place, only because he's got McDavid, I believe. Princess Penelope was uh was up there yeah. for quite a while, but uh, he's uh, he's fallen off now. Yeah, I've got I've got Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, he's got a couple of guys team. hurt, and because he also has Byfield. Yeah, I got Tony D'Angelo, who's basically the same. He hasn't played any games. I got Taylor Hall, who's god awful, probably the worst player in the league right now. I got Teravine, Petrangelo, and Shesterkin, who are all hurt. So. And our buddy uh, Jagir was up there as well, but now he's below me. Yeah, he's just taken a big flop down the standings. Yeah, mostly because he's got Eichel out as well. Yeah. And it doesn't help when you have Carter Hart as your goalie. (laughs) Sorry, Jiggy. I'm almost 200 points behind the leader. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. And Chad's only in first because he's got McDavid. My team hasn't cracked the 200-point mark yet. If I if I had a better goalie, there you go. Uh, there. I, I'd be up there for sure. If I had a better goalie, pick freaking Carey Price. Producer Pat's not doing so. He's not doing so bad. He's up in second. All right, boys. Anything else you uh, 
You want to throw out there? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think we need to get into my sex life. <laughs> <laughs> or do we want to talk about well, sex, baby? Well, well, we, we we can go, and you can just uh, you know take the next hour of the pod for for kudos sex line. <laughs> Sex talk with Kudo. <laughs> oh, God. We'll open up the phone lines and... Uh... I think that's good. Oh, dear God. There's stories I could tell. Mother of God. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us for our 43rd episode. We really appreciate all the support. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Into Sports and Stuff. And follow us on Twitter at Into Sports Stuff. No and in that one. Feel free to send us your personal pics of the week and let us know any topics you want us to talk about on the show, even sex. Check out T Public and Me Undies in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment that you don't want us to talk about sex on the pod. See you next week and we'll get into sports and stuff. Hey, Diddy Kong, hit the music. Bye. Bye. Bye.